Hey guys, welcome to Learn Feng Shui, where you'll learn Feng Shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. If you like weekly tips as well as fun folklore tales, you'll enjoy learning Feng Shui with me. Hey guys, let's talk about Feng Shui for love. think that looking at relationships is going to be a big aspect of the theme for the entire year. So just kind of looking at the connotation, we have this rabbit energy that is coming in. And of course, I mean, we know what, what the rabbit symbolizes um, throughout different cultures. It's like a side of fertility and, uh, you know, romance and all this, you know, the spring and renewal and I mean, literally, you know, reproducing, right? Those, that's a symbolism that comes to mind when we think of the the bunny rabbit and i mean it's the same thing we have this rabbit that's coming in for the year so we have this year of the rabbit and it's a very um romantic type of energy that's coming in this year it's almost like these flower this flowery energy you know a very dominant for this year um and then even the connotation with uh, the feng shui and flying star number four being what is quote unquote the romance star in the center of the uh, the low shoe for the year. And so remember that really does set the tone. And so I really, I think I'm gonna be focusing a little bit more on how that's affecting our relationships this year and how we can really enhance that. And especially for this month of February when, you know, here, of course, in some countries, we celebrate Valentine's Day. And so looking at the love and relationship aspect through the lens of Chinese metaphysics, there's some different energies we can kind of look at. Um, but remember, it's not just about feng shui. And so if we only concentrate on the feng shui aspect of, you know, enhancing a love and relationship, we're only enhancing what our environment is literally feng shui is the study of, you know, energy within our environment. And so we have to address a few different things. And to do that, we also have to look at our personal energy and the way we actually react to that. And for that, I'm going to kind of start off with looking at love and relationships through what is called the cosmic trinity. And so you may have been aware of this concept or may have heard the term heaven, earth, and man. And it said when the three combine, that's when you get the best results. And so let's take a look at what each aspect of heaven, earth, and man mean. The first aspect I want to look at is heaven. So when we're looking at a heaven energy in terms of love and relationships, one of the biggest things that I look at is timing for somebody. And so um, I tend to get a lot of times like, you know, when can I meet someone? When do I have the you know, opportunity to get married? And really that's looking at this heaven energy because we're looking at the energy of our natal charts, the energy that is given to us on the day we're born. You know, that's kind of that heaven energy. But also um, heaven energy can be that timing energy. And so when we look, you know, it might not be a quote unquote a good year for you or you might not have like the energy that might bring in a spouse for the entire year. But you know what? the energy cycles through and you're going to have it at least, you know, a couple times during the year, you'll have the, some months that come in that can support you uh, meeting somebody and finding relationships. So just looking at things like timing and our own energy, uh, we're able to kind of look and say like, okay, if we do these things, then the opportunity could present itself. And that's the heaven energy. So looking into the man aspect of things, we'll get to the, to the earth here in just a minute, but the man aspect really is your choices 
and your actions. And so when we look at the man aspect of things, um, particularly if you are one that says that you have had the same type of relationships over and over, or you've tend to run into the same type of person over and over again, there's something within you or something, maybe an action you're doing that is attracting that type of person. So you have to really look at the common denominator in all the relationships, which really is yourself. So if there's issues where you tend to date the same type of person um, and they're not right for you, that it really is an issue where we're going to have to do some inner self work and um, knowing that you're worthy of something really good. You really are worthy of that relationship. And so instead of settling and thinking and falling into those same patterns, we really need to work on the self-love and self-awareness and those actions we're taking so you can improve your future relationships. So when I started learning different uh, methods of Chinese metaphysics, I would kind of throw it out there on my social media and stuff like, hey, if you you know want a reading or if you want some insight today, let me know and I'll answer a question for you. And I'll never forget, I did have someone ask me about relationships. And uh, when I, I told them, hey, let me see your, you know, what's your birthday? Let me see your natal chart if you don't mind. And I mean, they were all for it. But when I when I looked through you know, looking through that personal information through your birthday and getting an idea of what kind of energy is within you and kind of looking at those tendencies we have, you know, I gave, I gave them some advice. I told them, Hey, I, I honestly can't remember what I told them, but I do remember giving them advice. And it was really a lot of the self-love and inner work that I felt like this person needed to do because of their, their energy. You know, it's, it's it definitely was a little bit of lack of self-awareness on their part. And when I, I let them know, they were just like, oh, I just wanted some feng shui tips or some feng shui advice. And so they literally just wanted me to tell them like, you know, do this and you'll find love. <laughs> and so again, it doesn't really work that way. There's a lot of aspects that kind of need to fall into place. And just looking at the energy that we're working with and looking at those things, it really does come to a place of self-awareness. Maybe we need some self-love. That would be, you can know that you are worthy of having a good relationship and finding a good relationship or fixing your relationships, you know, that you have now. Um, so it, it, again, it's, there's a lot more to it than just placing out items. There's many parts to it that kind of need to connect like a puzzle piece. And when those, the mindset is there, you know, the inner work is done, then we're able to adjust the feng shui in our environment and call and attract that in. So if you are into anything metaphysical, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. I mean, there's a ton of things you can do, a ton of like new age type self-help people will tell you, you know, Tony Robbins, uh, Bob Proctor, and uh, Wayne Dyer, like they all tell you, be prepared. So one of the things you can do in your specifically, if you want to change your environment a little bit, it really is to get yourself in the mindset of like, oh, when I attract that partner, when I attract that partner, not if, but when, you know, when that happens. So literally start getting yourself prepared, like um, doing things like cleaning out a closet space for that person or parking on the other side of the driveway, you know, moving to the other side of your bed or clearing off a space in your room to 
be ready. You know, it's like a, a pre- anticipation and preparedness thing. And that's one of the most powerful things I think that we can do. So even though we can adjust our environment, we can do functional activations, we can get that mindset ready, really being prepared and being excited and ready for what is next and really calling that in and setting that intention it is important. So now to the good stuff, the stuff the podcast is named after the learn feng shui stuff (laughs) is looking at the feng shui aspect of relationships. There's definitely things we can do in our environment that can enhance our relationships or attract a new partner. So when when I'm looking at classical feng shui, which is um, what I tend to lean towards when, when I myself am helping somebody or aiding somebody in, you know, finding a partner or enhancing their relationship. The biggest thing we look at is bed placement. So specific bed placement can be done for couples and specific bed placement can be done if you are a single. So um, it just kind of depends on, um, you know, what what we're working with, right? Um, But again, uh, kind of going back and referring back, your personal energy does come into account with bed placement. So um, yeah, bed placement is a, a very large one in uh, receiving good energy. Um, another thing that can be done with a single person, um, especially in the bedroom, is placing plants. So plants can be placed in very specific uh, sector or area to trigger energy that is associated with that uh, that sector for the year. So we, I may have you place a plants in a very specific location within your bedroom because, of course, your bedroom represents your relationships. Um, and this is done with date and time selection, both bed placement and uh, placing plants in specific areas. And, um, one thing I want to add is that it is paired with action. So, um, I tend to get a lot of people saying like, they don't really feel like, you know, getting out there and meeting somebody or they don't want to get on those dating apps and, you know, um, that's okay. But you know, maybe you can have your friend set you up with somebody or go out with a mutual friend, you know, go on some group dates and see if anyone, you know, clicks with you some friend dates. Right. So kind of look at it some, some different ways, but remember, uh, kind of going back to, you know, the heaven, earth, and man, man also represents action. So we have to have that action in there to, uh, then, you know, also trigger and support the energy of meeting someone. So remember it's, (laughs) I think it's so funny that, um, I've, uh, heard before other feng shui practitioners say, you know, they're just waiting. Some people are waiting for someone to, you know, break into their house to fall in love with them. Right. (laughs) You can't meet somebody if you don't get out there and put yourself out there. So Remember, unless you're going to fall in love with your delivery drivers, right, then, uh, I mean, I suppose that's a possibility too, (laughs) but um, yeah, put the action into it also. So if you are one that leans more towards BTB feng shui or Western style bagua, um, you can definitely add items to these love and relationship sectors that are designated for the style you practice. So if you again do BTB, if you walk in, you're going to locate the um, nearest corner to your left, and that is your love and relationship sector. And if we're practicing Western style feng shui um, that designates life areas, of course, you're going to locate the Southwest sector, and that is your obviously love and relationship sector. So if you're single, obviously placing items in pairs is really, um, one that a lot of practitioners will recommend, um, placing vases of flowers, and you can definitely add decorative touches to these flowers and use symbolism in the type of flower that you choose to put there. So I I know we've talked about um, different types of flowers. There's birds of paradise, there's peonies, there's, you know, plum cherry and peach blossoms. You can add to the area and just kind of going through and looking at the symbolism and deciding what you, 
kind of want to attract, you can choose what kind of flowers you display in the area. And remember, you can also get de uh, decorative and bring in different elements by using, um, of course, like shapes and colors and stuff like that. Remember, really romantic and warm, soft, um, peachy, earthy tones are kind of used in this area to enhance it. And um, of course, you can use things, square vases and stuff like that for to symbolize earth. You know, you can add different decorative touches. Of course, if you literally think of a vase of flowers, it's, you know, this earth containing water and um, there's of course wood inside of there represented by the flower. So you can really be creative and decorative in which items and a uh, type of things you choose to put place out uh, to enhance if you um, like to place items out. So another area you can enhance if um, just just in general, whichever style of feng shui you practice, is your bedroom. Remember your bedroom, it does represent that romance and that relationship. It's, it's supposed to enhance that part of you, that intimate side. And so when we're looking at that, of course, you want to do different things, whether you're married or if you're single. So obviously, if you're married, you want to enhance a relationship you already have. And I see a bunch of different things. Of course, this is more on the design side. But but it said that you should only place pictures of you and your spouse in your bedroom because that's a very special place to you guys. That's where you're intimate. Okay. And so with that note, keep like deities and keep pictures of other, you know, family members and all that um, out of your room because Again, sometimes I've heard that, you know, it invites other people into, you know, being nosy in your relationship. And we definitely don't want that. And of course, deities are best saved for you know, altar placement. We don't want to offend them, uh, you know, in our, with our bedroom activity. <laughs> so we don't want to do that. And so, um, yeah, just pictures of you and your spouse, if you're married, uh, and, and enhance it that way, you know, make it a very soft, romantic place, keep it clean and decluttered, no matter if you're single or not, you don't want clutter on the side of your bed, especially on the right side of your bed, because it represents the feminine. Um, if you are single, you there, again, there's, areas you can put flowers and plants in your bedroom um, that is believed to also enhance the love life but again sometimes it can enhance it a little bit too much once we place those flowers down and all that um, once you've attracted a partner if you're single then those flowers or the plant is taken out and the energy is suppressed by um, usually it's a little bit of a secret, but we, we can suppress the energy and um, actually same if you're married too if you <laughs> If you're married and um, your partner is having a little romance without you, there's also ways to suppress that. Um, but you didn't hear that from me. So I do actually have a free download that you could go right to the, my uh, website and download. Um, it does come straight up as you, uh, you know, log in or you go visit the website. It'll pop straight up. It's a little pop-up box for you. But if you go to the website and that does not pop up, I will put a direct link in the show notes and you can just download that free guide. And it really kind of talks about everything I talked about today. I always send this to people when I do relationship um, work for them, but really kind of connecting that heaven, earth, and man and connecting that um, intention, doing, you know, the self-love and then enhancing with feng shui really um, come together to make it pretty effective. <music> I did an episode on this last year, but I think also looking very importantly at the progression of relationships through the lens of Chinese metaphysics can be quite useful. So 
I talked about this last year on another episode. I might link to it because I talk about it more in depth. And this is not for me. It, the source is from Kevin Chan, who does feng shui. He has a YouTube channel. He does Facebook lives all the time. So this is not my information. I'm simply relating what he had said. So he talked about the natural flow and progression of a relationship. Um, he's, he talked about the elements of feng shui, the elements of Chinese metaphysics, which are water, earth, fire, wood, and metal. And he kind of related them to a flow. And so he stated that the flow starts with water. And so water is that initial interest or you're meeting somebody and connecting with them. And so step one is meeting and connecting. Step two is really, it's so water feeds into wood. So wood really is about knowledge, learning, and kind of growing, you know, so kind of growing that relationship. And, you know, you don't want to skip any of these steps, right? So wood, it fuels fire. And so fire, it represents that passion and that, you know, the, of course, the lust that we can feel for the person, you know, you can take that to the next level with the person and, and be more passionate with them. So that passion inevitably can lead to creating, um, so fire creates earth. So earth represents the stability and, um, making that, you know, that, that stable relationship. It is about, um, you know, nurturing and, and things like that. So even though you have that passion, um, you still need to nurture and grow the relationship a little bit and cultivate it, which is of course represented by the element of earth. So earth will create metal. And so metal, it's about decision-making. So then you will make the decision to get married. You'll make the decision to take things to the next, next step, you know, and then of course, metal feeds back into water and that can be the creation of a family. So, um, there has to be this natural progression and flow. And if there's not a natural progression and flow, um, you may tend to, uh, miss out on some of these steps if you're if you happen to be missing remember our birth chart is not just about our animal signs it has these different um, elements that all interact with each other and so if you're missing one of these elements or you have a low element you may tend to jump to the next step and so i would kind of think about that and think about that natural progression and flow to a relationship also before trying to jump into the marriage part of it one thing that I'll also add is that I notice when somebody is missing an element in their natal chart, it inevitably leads them to miss one of these steps. It's almost like maybe you're not aware that you're completely um, missing this type of energy from your your uh, natal chart or your just your personal energy. And so, so for example, if a person has you know the element of water, a lot of element of water, maybe they um, you know are good at like meeting people. But if you don't have the element of wood, perhaps you are not good at getting to know the person before. Then trying to dive into the you know the fire, the passion, and diving into the commitment. And so sometimes you tend to go straight from getting to know somebody, or you skip a step in there if that makes sense. So if you are, you know, don't have a lot of earth, maybe you skip the commitment part. If you don't have a lot of fire, maybe you're not interested in a lot of um, passionate, uh, you know, or getting to know somebody passionately, and maybe you want to get to know them as friends first. And I think that's okay. But the point is looking at these elements within our natal chart can tell us a lot about the way that we also relate to relationships. Let's take a quick sponsor break. And when we come back, I wanted to cover something 
little different uh, for this love and relationship Valentine's episode. Today we're going to talk about Chinese ghost marriages. All right, so Chinese ghost marriages. So where else would this information come from other than Taoist sorcerer, sorcery master dot blogspot dot com. So he did change the name. It used to just be Taoist sorcery dot blogspot. Now Taoist sorcery master dot blogspot, of course, I will link in the show notes. So Chinese ghost marriages and why it is done. Ghost marriage is also known as posthumous marriage or necromancy. So Chinese ghost marriage is also known as bone matching, yin marriage, ghost marriage, or spirit marriage. And it is a Chinese folk tradition. And it means that either a living person can marry a deceased person or two deceased people can get married. And it does state that the ghost marriages sometimes are practiced in South Korea. So getting into ghost marriages, um, it, I guess it was a pretty popular practice in ancient China. Um, I'm going to keep reading. I haven't read the whole thing, so we'll see if it's still practiced today. But it does say here there's many records of ghost marriages in ancient Chinese texts. And there's a couple of popular ones um, stating that I guess it was probably an emperor or something. It said um, his son died at the age of 13. And out of love for his son, he betrothed a deceased uh, woman to his son and then they were buried together and from the ancient book dream records of yesterday written in the southern song period it was written that families of deceased individuals of eligible age would seek help from ghost matchmakers if the deceased couples were found to be matchable they would proceed with the ceremony of a ghost marriage so why would this be done? It says, why seek ghost marriage ceremony or a ritual? So it does state here that in the past, it was believed that if there was a lonely grave in the ancestral grave, that it would affect the prosperity of future generations. And it was unlucky. So it was necessary to hold a marriage for that deceased individual had they been of age, such as the 13-year-old uh, young man. Um, here it says living person seeking ghost rituals. So sometimes this can be done again with a one living person um, marrying a, a person that has passed away already. It says human life is unpredictable and one person is alive and the next second, of course, they can be gone. So when a steady couple has planned to get married, but suddenly passed away due to accident or illness, the living person hopes to complete the marriage as to also be forever remembered in his or her heart. And they will then seek a ghost marriage ceremony. And it says here is occasionally still practiced. If a Chinese man has double wives or multi-wives, luck in his destiny or his botza, usually parents and even the wife agrees to have the husband do a ghost marriage with the deceased or several deceased women. And this will help maintain the living wife to be the only wife in the man's life. The first deceased woman to be married will be considered wife number one. And the second wife that is deceased will be wife number two and so on and so forth. The living wife will always be denoted as the very last wife. And so if, uh, just kind of a little aside, if you're looking at somebody's natal chart or their bots chart, sometimes um, you can see whether they'll be married multiple times. And apparently what this is doing is um, it's taking that away because you're already married to multiple people in the ghostly realm. And then you just then have one wife here on earth. So um, yeah, I guess you get a ghostly sister wives. 
another reason a ghost marriage might be done is because um, they need the deceased person to have a space on the ancestor tablet on the altar. And so uh, let's see if I can explain this. I'll just read here. It says a deceased married Chinese woman's tablet is kept at the altar of her husband's family. However, if a, a woman of eligible age for marriage passes away and she is not married, her family is prohibited from placing her tablet on the altar of her natal home. She is given a temporary paper tablet and it is placed not on the traditional domestic altar, but it's in a corner near the front door. And it says, hence the important duty of Chinese parents marrying off their children becomes increasingly important for their daughters. This proved especially true in the old days. Not sure how much it proves true anymore, but it says here, since women are only able to acquire the membership and a descent line through marriage, the ghost marriage becomes a viable solution to ensure that an unmarried deceased daughter still has an affiliation to a male descent line and would properly be cared for after death. And so I, I do, again, I'm not Taoist, so I don't know 100%, but what I've heard is that they have um, ancestor tablets if you are like Taoist, and I think maybe Buddhists do it too, but you have an ancestor tablet with the names of your deceased ancestors. And generally, of course, we know that traditionally a male would inherit, uh, of course, they inherit the name and um, money and whatnot, right? Daughters were never eligible to inherit, uh, and they had to inherit through marriage. So again, this kind of has to do with that old tradition. And um the the tradition of the tablet is that when you have this ancestor tablet that um when one passes away that your yin spirit it's remains with your remains or your ashes or you know your it's in your burial tomb right when your burial grave but the yang part and the living part stays on this ancestor tablet and so i'm not sure again too many of the implications of this so if you practice this or uh, not this, but the ancestor tablets and you have some more information, please email me and let me know. So here it says, if you're in Taiwan, do not pick up one of those red envelopes that they use to put money in for Chinese New Year called an Ang Pao if you find one on the floor. So if you think that you, you know, maybe we'll stumble across uh, some money inside the envelope or something, a lot of times... These are actually a way to trap you into marrying somebody's deceased daughter. So here it says the parents of a deceased unwed daughter wanting to marry her off to a living man will put some money in an envelope. They'll put the daughter's hair and they will put the Batsa date or their birth date or particulars and information inside this red envelope and then leave it on the floor waiting to see who picks it up. And if a man picks it up, it says uh, the parents will appear from their hiding and come and welcome you to be their bridegroom or the husband for the ghost marriage proposal. <laughs> so you will be given a certain amount of wealth and benefits, it says, but you can't actually run away from the marriage. It says you're pretty much committed if you pick up that envelope. So if you turn down the ghost marriage proposal, the ghost of the deceased daughter will haunt you and create havoc in your life. So you better do that ghost marriage. In some desperate cases, some families are afraid that no one would pick up the packet. They would simply randomly attach the red packet onto a scooter or motorbike. And um, they would, you know, if it was, they would, I guess, see if it would be owned by a man. And so then they would kind of rope them in that way. <laughs> 
Another reason one might perform a ghost marriage here, it says that younger brothers are not supposed to get married before the elder brother, and therefore a ghost marriage could be performed for the older brother. The deceased brother may also be arranged uh, before the younger brother's wedding to avoid incurring disfavor of the brother's ghost. So I guess this will be done if either the brother is not married or if the brother had passed away before he got married and he was the elder. So sometimes the ghost actually seeks out this marriage and this is done by a little bit of good old fashioned haunting. It says that a ghost might happen to like a particular living person. Um, so the ghost will send hints to the living person through dreams or creating paranormal activity. The living person may consult a spirit medium in the temple and be told about the issue. And sometimes the male or female ghost was asking for marriage ritual with another ghost. So that's pretty interesting here. It says when a loving soon to be married couple happen to die together, that they will usually hint to the living parents through dreams that they want a ghost marriage ritual. So it does um, kind of, you know, say here, of course, this brings to mind some movies like the movie Ghost, you know, and, uh, you know, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze, right? A good classic where the, uh, the dead um, and the living can still, uh, you know, kind of interact with each other, you know, through whether a medium or, you know, some ghostly events. Um, even the Tim Burton movie, The Corpse Bride, of course, comes to mind where the, uh, the, the corpse bride comes up to be with Victor, you know, and of course a movie that's not so romantic, but is again about obsession and wanting the, the dead wanting an alive person to be with them is the movie Shudder. If you've never seen the movie Shudder, I highly suggest it. It's pretty creepy. So I will warn you about going to graveyards too. And it says here that beware what you say, because a real ghost story actually happened in Singapore. So it says a man happened to pass by a graveyard and he spotted a photo of a face of a deceased girl on a tombstone. And he said, what a beautiful girl. If she was alive, I would take her to be my wife. Well, the ghost heard this and stuck to him ever since. And one day he was riding his motorbike on the road and the opposite flow of traffic. And it says here, ghost covering his eyes. So he was actually hit by a car and passed away. And the deceased man's dad felt suspicious because he was never, he wasn't a you know alcoholic, never took drugs. So he was not be under the influence of anything. He decided to consult a spirit medium in the temple near his home. And the deity told him that um, the female ghost fell in love with his son and wanted him to be her husband and took him away to be with her due to what his son said at her grave. And a ghost reading ritual was performed for them. So in conclusion, um, yeah, this isn't really practiced very often anymore. It says ghost marriages are rarely practiced nowadays, but um, still available in some Chinese communities. So please be aware of red envelopes you find lying on the floor. I hope you guys enjoyed um, today's episode. And if I can ever combine a little bit spooky with um, my podcast, I'm all about that. So you guys have an amazing weekend. Don't forget to download that love and relationship guide and I'll catch you guys on the next episode, which will probably be March energy update. For a free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes.
To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends. 